So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. And what I want to do is I want to focus on the other side of God's love. And without God's anger and His wrath, we wouldn't know um, the depth of His love. We've come to a place in our culture, in our society, where things are topsy-turvy. California has gone bonkers as it relates to the implementation of things, trying to get laws passed, not just happy to be living separated from God, not just okay to, you know, you live your life and what you do behind closed doors is your business and what I do behind closed doors is my business. No, no, no. We want to legislate sin. We want to punish righteous people. And so it's, it's very interesting times that we're living in. If you've been in this country long enough, you know that it's not what it used to be. Um, and I'm not going to go back to the good old days, but at the very same time, we're living in some interesting times. So, the section of Scripture that we're going to be in is a difficult section of Scripture for me. Um, maybe some people find joy in teaching these types of topics. I have to go into an introduction to introduce the topic because I want to see how we can apply it in our culture, in our current place that we're at. And we never want to lose sight of um, speaking the truth in love. Uh, and Jesus is the model of that. And we're going to see that through the first John set of scriptures. Father, we ask your blessing upon this time that we have together. And we pray that you would speak to us through your word. And Lord, we <coughs> desire to be light and salt in the communities that you have placed us in. And so Lord the one-on-one -on -one dialogues that we have opportunities to have. May we recognize that it's in those one-on-one -on -one opportunities, Lord, that you would have us as your children to plant seeds in the hearts and lives of individuals that are oh, just bound by sin and darkness. And this world is getting darker and darker, Lord, and it's not going to change. And so may we be wise as servants, harmless as doves. And Lord, may we look to you and your example for how you communicate. And may we default to speaking the truth in love. And so bless our time together, Father, as we offer it up to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's kids said, Amen. Amen. First John chapter 3, verse 16 the Bible says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And so 1 John 3.16, the Bible teaches that God laid his life down for us. And that was his demonstration of love. Does he love humanity? Absolutely. He loves humanity so much. That he died for their sins. Jump over to 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. The Bible says, He who does not love does not know God. 
For God is love. God is love. If there's any idea that you have about love that contradicts God or that gets in the way of who or what God is, God is not just loving. God is love. God acts in love. He communicates in love. He, he repents. He causes us to repent out of love. So God doesn't repent. But He gets us to repent because He loves us. He wants us to turn from sin. He wants us to turn from our wicked ways. He wants us to not be deceived. And it's out of His love that He does those things. He's not a killjoy. He's not trying to rob the world of these phenomenal experiences that they can have if God would just, with all of His moral teachings and this value system, just bum us out. No. God is love. And He loves us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Same chapter, the Bible says, And we have known and believed the love of God, the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Again, God is love. I'll read it to you, Ephesians 4.15. The Bible says, But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And so we are called to speak the truth in love. Just like in 1 Corinthians, where it says, let all things be done decent and in order, where some churches will focus on the all things, and some other churches will focus on the decent and in order, God is calling us to do all things decent and in order. And that relates to the spiritual gifts. Some churches don't believe in the gifts today. We do. We believe in all of them. Every spiritual gift that the Bible talks about, we believe that they're there, that they're there for today, that we would be edified and built up and we can edify one another, but those are to be expressed in decently and in order. So in the same way, we are to speak the truth in love. Some people focus on the truth and they come across extremely barbaric. Others are just about love and it comes across very mushy. Jesus doesn't do that. He says what he means and he means what he says. And when he speaks, he speaks the absolute truth. But always from a heart of love. Because God is love. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 verse 5, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Open rebuke <coughs> is better than love carefully concealed. And I know a lot of Christians who won't tell people the truth. Because they're concealing it from people, thinking that that's an act of love. Mm -hmm. So right now we're living in a world where black is white, white is black, things are upside down. I was sent this article today from somebody in our church, and he wanted to know what are my thoughts on this article. Ministry cancels California conferences over bill banning biblical views on sexual identity. And so as we speak, there is a, a California Assembly Bill 2943 that states any ministry or book that states that someone's sexual orientation can be ministered to or dealt with or healed from or changed 
is to be considered hate speech. They will be fined, jailed, and if need be, banned in whatever way the country can do it. So it is passed on one floor. Um, right now, it's in the process of going through. So a lot of Christians are, you know, calling their congressmen and doing everything that needs to be done for California. Um, but guys, this is where we're headed. This is, you know, when we accept it as a nation that men can marry men and women can marry women. Uh, it's called the slippery slope. No, it, no, it's not going to go there. They said. <coughs> Come on, why don't you just let people be people and just whatever they want to do and it's love, love wins and it's paraded with the rainbow of all things and just an interesting set of times that we're living in. And so if Jesus were living in this culture and a microphone was placed in front of him, I wonder what he would have to say. And today we're going to see the heart of Jesus as he is speaking to a culture of religious men who have gone so far from the path of God that Jesus, in his most harsh words ever recorded in all of the scriptures, begins to speak the truth. And he's not even speaking to them anymore. He is done with them. He is now speaking to others who are looking to them and letting him know, be careful. Be careful what you do with this group of individuals that call themselves religious leaders. So turning your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, <coughs> chapter 23. And we're not going to rush through it, but we're definitely going to read through it. I will comment on verses, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23. I will comment on verses, um, but I'm not going to break it down. Uh, when I teach Revelation, I love chapters 1 through 6. Woohoo! Yes, 1 through 5 for sure. Actually, you get to 6 through 19, and, and it just kills me. And I just race through it because talking about God's wrath and the judgment that's going to come into this world and those types of things. Again, for some people, maybe they're like, yeah, yeah, man, God's going to judge the world. I'm get them sinners. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts my heart to know that there are people so blind and blinded by sin that they're shaking their fist at God, the very one that loves them and wants to give them the things that they're longing for and trying to find it in the world and in the lies from Satan of sin. And so this section is equally a difficult section to get through, but it's here and this is where we find ourselves. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, precept upon precept, line upon line. And we do that because I would never touch subjects like this. But here we are. So Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23, then Jesus spoke. Notice he's speaking to the multitudes and to his disciples. Who is he speaking to? The multitudes and to his disciples. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes are within earshot. But he's no longer talking to them. They have long ago rejected him. He is rejecting them here. He had rejected them up to this point. He answered every question that they brought to him. He confounded them with his wisdom. He knew that they were trying to trap him. He knew that they were trying to trick him. And he put up with them as an act of mercy. And he would give them the answers. 
Answers that they had no idea were coming. But he was patient. And he was gentle. And he was gracious. And now he's saying, I'm done. I'm done with you religious leaders. I'm going to speak to my disciples. I'm going to speak to the multitudes. And I'm going to use you as exhibit A, as an example for them, so that they understand that's not what I'm about. I'm not about what you guys are about. I'm on an entirely different page. Verse 2 saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. And so the first thing he's telling us is that the scribes and the Pharisees have a position of authority, respect the position of authority that they have, but don't do what they do. Because they're putting things on you that they don't do themselves. But make sure that you understand that they have a position of authority. No different for us as we deal with people who have positions of authority in our life. Whatever that position is. We respect the position even though we not, might not respect the person. Because there's a position of authority. And that you can interpret that or apply that any way you want. But that's what he's communicating here to them. Let me read you, according to William Barclay in the Talmud, he describes seven types of different Pharisees. Six of the seven, by the way, are negative. They're bad. And so there's the shoulder Pharisee, who wore all his good deeds and righteousness on his shoulder for everyone to see. And as we think about these types of people, we need to take into account, why do I do what I do? Do I wear it on my shoulders, my good works, so that people can see and be impressed? So that I can have the applause of people? Number two, the wait a little Pharisee, who always intended to do good deeds, but could always find a reason for doing them later, not now. Number three, the bruised or bleeding Pharisee, who was so holy that he would turn his head away from any woman seen in public, and was therefore constantly bumping into things and tripping, uh, thus injuring himself. Again, it's, it's, it's the appearance of things. It's the appearance of things. I want to make sure people see me walking with my head down, and that's why I'm bumping into things, because I, 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 I'm so afraid, because I'm so holy, that I might lust after a woman, I'm just going to bump into things. Why don't you just turn your eyes? Why don't you just look somewhere else? Can't you control your eyes? No, no, i got to let everyone know how holy I am. That's why my head's down. The humpback Pharisees, who was so humble that he walked bent over and barely lifting his feet so everyone could see just how humble he was. The always counting Pharisee, who, always, who was always counting up his good deeds and believed that he put God in debt to him for all the good he had done. The fearful Pharisee, who did good because he was terrified that God would strike him with judgment if he did not. And finally, the God-fearing Pharisee, who really loved God and did good deeds to please the God he loved. So out of all of these definitions of Pharisees, one of them had the right perspective. He loved the Lord. And he wanted to do good out of his love for the Lord. 
Not who Jesus is speaking of here. Verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. For they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. And so they take these Old Testament scriptures. A phylactery was a box that they would wear on their wrist or on their forehead. around Like a bandana, right? And it held the scriptures. And so they made large phylacteries. Yeah, look at how many scriptures I got over here. Right? You don't even know how holy I am. Whoa, so heavy, my hair's falling. Everything to be seen of men. Everything for the applause of men. Everything for the recognition of men. The enlarging the, the border of their garments. Um, rabbis were supposed to wear a blue trim so that they would identify with the sky or heaven looking upward. Remind them that heaven is upward. And so they would keep getting them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so that people would know that they're so holy. They're always thinking of heaven. So godly. Wow. Verse 6. They love the best places at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and, they, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. <clears throat> but you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. This is an interesting thing. It's, it's, it's an indictment on titles and people who demand that they be called a certain thing. I've made phone calls to different churches. And it's kind of tough sometimes. You know, because I'm JT, Johnny Trevino. Yeah, call me Johnny. And... Well, I'm the most holy reverend, the most holy one reverend, this, that, the other, and it's like, yeah, your name is Bob. Okay, Bob, um, like I was saying, so, you know, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but at the same time, knowing the scriptures and knowing this thing about titles, it's like, really? I can respect that somebody loves Jesus, and I can respect that somebody can walk with the Lord, and I can respect that there are godly men out there and godly women out there that you look at and you're like, man, they love Jesus. But when you are insisting a place of honor or a name that gives you a certain or, or air, or, or, what is that word? Or. Whatever or. that word is. Okay, whatever, or that thing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? Because at the foot of the cross, we're all looking up to the Savior. At the foot of the cross, we're all in the same need of that sacrifice. Hey, nobody worthy of that sacrifice. Ain't nobody deserving of what Jesus did for us. And so, calm down. Yeah, calm down. All of us are equally sinful at the foot of the cross. And I think that's the prohibition here. Uh, my father was saved and then went to a Catholic church. And uh, when he passed away, I remember they, they were going to do the service at his church. And um, I was going to be able to speak in the church. And I remember the guy, you know, he's like, oh, I'm father, da 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 I said, what's your name? Pedro? Yeah, Pedro. All right, Pedro, so check it out. What's the order of the sequence of things? Okay. Where do I go? Okay, cool, got it. You know, you can call me Johnny. And if you want Pastor Johnny, but yeah, I'm not going to call you Father. Father, whatever your name was, Thomas, or I don't remember his name. And again, I understand traditions, I understand uh, things, but I, I struggle, I, I'd rather obey the scriptures. And Jesus is saying, be careful when people are insisting on titles. 
And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Verse 11. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. So, do you want to really be great? Do you really, really, really want to be great? Then look to serve. Because that's God's recipe for being great. And you do that behind the scenes. And you don't do it because everyone's watching. And you don't do it for the applause. And you don't do it because everyone's recognizing it. And you don't do it because you're going to get an award or a plaque or something named after you. You just do it because it's right. And you really do want to be great. And that's the recipe. If you really want to be great, look for an opportunity to serve. <clears throat> but he, verse 11, who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in, entering to go in. Talk about Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses right there in that verse. Incredible how you'll proselyte, and you're leading people to hell, and you're not going into heaven simultaneously. So, right there. The word hypocrite is um, you know, actor, it's two-faced, it's a, it's a person playing the part of something. And so he calls them hypocrites. <clears throat> Verse 14, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. The rule for prayer is long in private, short in public. Our prayers aren't meant to impress people. We're not praying to people. And we're not informing God when we pray. He knows what we need before we ask. The purpose of prayer is a relationship. Any good relationship is strong in communication. That's all prayer is. It's communicating. It's, it's a dialogue. Once communication ceases, it's a matter of time before the relationship is doomed. Any relationship. Keep the lines of communication open. That's what prayer is. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrite, for you devour widows' houses. The, the widows' houses um, taking money from those on a fixed income who have very, very, very little so that they can finance their lifestyle. We see that a lot today in religion. We see that a lot today on TV, on religious TV, unfortunately. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. So hell has degrees of punishment. Just like heaven has degrees of rewards. Woe to you, verse 15, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to one, win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. <laughs> So instead of adding to people's lives, they would take away from people's lives. They would confuse them with their trickery doctrines and just junk. Verse 16, What are you blind guides who say whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar that it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, 
Whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. And so what they did was they found a loophole, a way to get around making oaths. But Jesus already said it in Matthew 5. Don't make oaths. How do we avoid making oaths? Let your yes be yes and your no, no. If you tell the truth, people are going to know that you're a truth teller. And you're not going to have to swear, swear a stack of Bible, swear on my mother's life, thousand needles in my eye. We don't have to do all that. And so they found a loophole, or so they thought, all right, all right, all right, we're not going to sacrifice, but we're not going to swear by the temple, but we'll swear by this. Or we're not going to swear by the altar, but we're going to swear by this. And they, they were trying to find a way to usurp. Well, again, why don't you just tell the truth? And then you don't have to swear. Verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And so tithing is mentioned in the New Testament by Jesus. And he's saying, don't fail to tithe. But don't tithe on the smallest things of life and leave out the big stuff. Be merciful with people. Don't you care that people are hurting? Don't you care when people hurt? Can't you hurt with them? That's being merciful. And justice. Make sure that things are done right. Making sure that you live right. And things like that. <clears throat> so, I just find that... Interesting. Verse 24, he says, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Talk about jokes. Man, that's a hilarious picture. They'd be walking down the street and a gnat would go in their mouth and they would sit there and practically throw themselves to get it out because they don't know if that animal was cleansed right, right? Right? It was bled right before it went into them, so it made it unclean. But they're swallowing a camel simultaneously. Jesus is just painting this picture of, look at how hypocritical you guys are. Look at how off you are. Verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. But Pharisees, first cleanse the outside of the cup and dish. Uh, of the inside of the uh, cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Jesus is teaching that cleanliness comes from the inside out. Worship the Lord. Commune with the Lord. Get to know the, lo the Lord. And He will transform you from the inside out. The outside will be clean. But the outside will be clean as a result of the supernatural work that He's doing on the inside. Everything for them was appearance. How do I look in front of people and for people? But inside, there was dead stuff inside of them. And they were judgmental. And they were extortioners. And they were all these things that he mentioned. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones of all uncleanness. Even so, so you outwardly appear righteous to men, 
but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. During the time of people coming to Jerusalem, they would whitewash or paint all of the grave sites white so that nobody would step on those grave sites and be defiled and couldn't go to temple. And so obviously they look nice because they're freshly painted, but what is in a grave site? People that are dead, gone for quite a while. Dead men's bones. And he's painting this picture for them. This is exactly what you guys look like. You, you painted yourself. And to the outside, to people, they're looking at you and they think that you guys look good from the outside. But the reality is on the inside. You're dead. 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Um, they were acting like they wouldn't have done what their ancestors had done when they killed the prophets and rejected them in the nation of Israel. But they're doing the very same thing. And Jesus is saying, you would do the same thing if you were in Able to Zechariah, the A to the Z is really uh, Genesis to Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles, the last book in the uh, uh, Jewish Old Testament, if you will. And just from prophet to the from first prophet, if you will, to the last one is what Jesus is saying. Um, so tough, tough words that Jesus communicates. He's using it as an example of the truth that is the culture in which he came to this world. And then, interesting little dynamic here. He goes up on the hill, and from the hill, he is with his disciples, and he's able to see Jerusalem. Luke's Gospel tells us this. It says in verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I would wanted to gather you, your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See? Your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus speaking impending judgment upon the nation of Israel. And why? Free will. They didn't want what God wanted for them. They wanted to insist on their way as opposed to letting God lead them and be with them. So we go back to where we're at in our culture and how we communicate to our culture. I think uh, many Christians have been silenced and we save truth oftentimes for within the walls of church or meetings with Christians. And when you have truth on your side and you have an ability to be able to speak to somebody in love, I say you take advantage. Because God is able through that truth 
and that expression of love to be able to bring fruit from the seeds that are planted within the hearts of lives. We have a culture that is absolutely wacko right now and extremely confused. And good is bad and bad is good. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And so, only one life soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. I pray that we would be those who would be bold in these last days. Not harsh with truth. Not taking away foundation of love. And again, I think speaking to people one-on-one is far more effective than speaking to multitudes of violent and angry people. Mm-hmm. That mob mentality takes over. And then it's like uh, sociology. There is a something that takes place within the mind that gets people to do things that they wouldn't do normally. And so be careful. There are powers at work that are not just spiritual. There's dynamics, human nature stuff at work when people are in groups. Uh, it's far more effective when you have an opportunity to go one-on-one with people. And... What I do is I try to take people to their logical conclusion. Okay, so this is what you believe. Well, let's play it out to the end. What do you think about that? And they'll be like, oh my God, how can that happen? Well, that's just what you told me you believed. And we just try to, well, do you believe in God? Well, yeah, I believe in God. Why do you believe in God? I try to put them on the defensive. Devil's advocate, if you will. And so, again, just look for those opportunities. Look for those um, open door opportunities that God gives you to be able to speak. Um, Because... there ain't much taking place on the media in the in the way of truth and love. It's just uh, it's a lot of hate. It's a lot of uh, just anger. It's a lot of passion, but just misdirected. Mm-hmm. Questions, comments, concerns. <coughs> I heard the other day that they were going to try and pass that law, but you can't. If somebody comes to you or your pastor with um, sexual identity crisis and wants help, but they won't be able to do it. Yeah. This is what I wrote to um, our brother who texted me this and he wanted to know what my thoughts were. I said, I heard about this yesterday. I think it's unfortunate But the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. The world thinks that the loving thing to do is to accept all lifestyles. Unfortunately, this flies in the face of truth and will bring in destruction to people who never repent and find the abundant life that that Jesus promises as we deny self, take up cross, and follow Him. So it's, it's interesting that it's the very exact opposite of what the world is teaching is actually a big fat lie. And what D- Jesus teaches is the very opposite. Why well, I have to be true to myself? If this is how I was born, if this is who I am, then I have to express this and experience it on every le- level. Otherwise, I would be living a lie. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. See, you start with deny yourself. Even if what you feel is right, it's wrong based on God's truth. So forget about your experience. 
And that's unfortunate because the Christian church in the 80s went the way of experience. It was all about what they felt and what they were experiencing. Started in Toronto with the Toronto Blessing. Came to Pensacola with the Pensacola, Florida thing. From there, it moved across the nation. And people, before you know it, were barking in the Spirit, throwing up demons in the Spirit. Just all of these experiences, but we had no foundation in the Word of God for what they were experiencing. If your experience, like a Mormon, the burning in the bosom, is what reveals truth, then who's to say you're right and I'm right, or you're wrong and I'm wrong? Throw your experience away. It's not your experience. It's the truth that is found in the Word of God. And you will feel good and right eventually, but it's not our feelings. And we've elevated feelings to be truth. Whatever I feel is truth. That's the culture we're living in. <coughs> A culture that thinks with their feelings. So may we be careful not to buy into that lie. Take a bite of that apple. Be careful. May God be true in every man and liar. Anybody?